Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Assemblyman David Chu. He's introducing legislation to ban balanced billing on patients in emergency rooms like SF General. And he also talks about banning big gulps, the state's housing crunch, and why San Francisco politics is like a knife fight in a phone booth. We'll be right back with David Chu after this. Welcome back to San Francisco City Insider. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Assemblyman David Chu. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me on. So the big news is you're proposing a ban on all balanced billing for emergency care in California. Uh, Were you surprised when you started reading these stories of people who were getting these huge bills from SF General for minor problems like appendicitis and broken bones? Had you ever heard about that, or how did that strike you? Absolutely surprised. A couple years ago in the legislature, uh, we tackled this issue of surprise balanced billing in non-emergency contexts, but we had all thought that this was not an issue in emergency rooms. And so when we read your articles and the articles in Vox, um, it definitely focused our attention. And in the last couple weeks, uh, Senator Scott Weiner and I have researched uh, pretty heavily what's happening in this area. And uh, we are introducing a bill to address the situation, not just for San Francisco, but for all of California. How widespread do you think this is around the state? When we started uh, asking healthcare advocates and consumer advocates in Sacramento, we heard about instances all over the state of California. Uh, in fact, uh, the chair of the Assembly Health Committee, when he found that we were researching it, was very excited that we were delving into this area. He represents uh, the very northern parts of our state, but uh, there have been examples throughout California. Mm-hmm. And have you spoken with the hospital administration here at SF General, and what are they saying? How are they explaining what they've been doing to about 1,700 patients a year. We have, and uh, they're saying that uh, they're trying to address the situation as, as quickly as possible, that uh, they don't have the intention of, 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 of trying to, uh, uh, to leverage these exorbitant fees on patients. But the reality is it's been happening to thousands of, of patients. And uh, when you are going to the emergency room or you're lying on a gurney, the last thing you should expect uh, is to receive a crazy exorbitant bill, uh, you should be just focused on your own health and how to get better. Mm -hmm. And it's even happening to patients who uh, maybe are hit by a car or another um, way they're knocked unconscious, taken to SF General in an ambulance when they had no say in it at all. And they wind up in the ER, you know, and they're there. So it seems like an even bigger problem since that's our only trauma center in the city and any major accident will head there. By definition, if you are going to an emergency room, it's an emergency. And and usually the last thing you're thinking about is which emergency room is not going to send me an exorbitant bill. Uh, And so uh, what we have seen should not be happening. Especially because these people have good private insurance policies. Yeah, particularly uh, if you're insured, you're expecting that you're going to have to pay a, a co-payment or a deductible. You're not expecting to get whacked with a, a six-figure fee. Right. And one of the reasons these bills are so high is because um, the hospital has something called a charge master, which is thousands and thousands of individual fees for any possible thing they could offer from a surgery to a Band-Aid. Um, and these 
prices actually go before the Board of Supervisors and the mayor annually. And you, of course, were a supervisor for many years, so you had a hand in approving those every year. Did you not understand quite what you were voting on? or? I, I think we all thought we knew exactly what we were voting on, and that would be bills that were not exorbitant. This was certainly not an issue uh, that came up during my time on the Board of Supervisors. I left City Hall now four years ago, um, and if I had known then what I know now, I certainly would not have voted for them. What was your understanding of what you were voting on? Um, we understood that they were reasonable hospital bills, um, and it was never brought to our attention that there were patients that were being price gouged in the way that they are. So you thought it was just bills to insurance companies? We thought it was bills that insurance companies were paying. We thought the patients were only paying what they understood on their, under their insurance plans. Um, you know, we certainly, in the last couple of years, there have been a lot of stories exposing pricing situations mm-hmm. and challenges with so-called charge masters. But uh, certainly when I was voting between 2009 and 2014, this is not something that came up. Do you remember if there was ever in any of those years somebody who came from the public health department or the hospital to explain exactly what this was, or did it just kind of go across your desk? And- you know, um, likely it would have been uh, representatives from the Department of Public Health uh, in front of our uh, supervisor budget committee, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I don't remember uh, any instance where there was any discussion um, either by public officials or by patients about challenges with uh, with billing. Okay. Um, switching topics to big gulps. <laughs> um, I Another thing creating public health issues across America. You um, want to ban them, correct? That's another uh, piece of legislation. Did uh, you either have just introduced or mm-hmm. about to? So a few days ago, uh, a number of my colleagues, uh, we introduced uh, five bills uh, to go after uh, what Big Soda is doing to America and uh, and our kids. Um, we're in the midst of very intense public crises around diabetes and heart disease and hypertension and obesity. Um, and it's estimated that about half of all extra calories consumed by Americans uh, comes from sugar-sweetened beverages. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, we had a, a debates about this topic in 2016. Uh, we enacted uh, a soda tax um, and uh, we know these soda taxes to be very effective. In fact, there was a study just done. Uh, I think right. the Chronicle just uh, put the story out in the last few days about uh, how the Berkeley soda tax has reduced soda consumption by over 50%, which is exactly what it was intended to do. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, that liquid sugar causes heart disease, causes uh, obesity and diabetes at at, at really uh, frightening rates. Uh, about half of all Californians are estimated to, in their lifetime, be diagnosed with uh, diabetic condition or pre-diabetic condition uh, that is really being caused by this. And, and we also know that the big soda industry, uh, they go about their practices like big tobacco did years ago with sales and marketing tactics that uh, that really prey on low-income communities, prey on communities of color, prey on kids. Uh, they also put out really deceptive industry studies. Uh, and so we have a number of bills to, to really tackle this, including uh, my bill. Mm-hmm. When you were a supervisor, a number of these types of things came before you, um, too. I think there was a ban on cigarette sales and um, a bunch of soda stuff and calories on menus and the Happy Meal toy ban. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but a lot of times people say that these are nanny state um, 
like San Francisco and California should not be um, getting involved in what people choose to eat or drink or smoke or whatever it is. So how would you answer that? This has been for decades the the typical refrain from the multi-billion dollar industries. Uh, there was a time when uh, the tobacco industry said uh, it's a nanny state to tell an adult that they can't smoke or can't wear a seatbelt uh, or, or need to wear a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the reality is uh, we are experiencing hundreds of billions of dollars of cost to our healthcare system, as well as immeasurable pain and suffering that's caused by these industries. Let me just give an example. So uh, as you alluded to, I have a bill that would place a cap on uh, the portion of sugary sweetened beverages that are provided uh, it at a restaurant or at a movie theater, uh, and we would limit it to 16 ounces. Um, and just to give you an example of why this is needed, um, 20 years ago, the average serving of, say, a Coke was 6.5 ounces. Today, it's 20 ounces. A 20-ounce beverage is equivalent to 16 packets of sugar. And you're a parent. I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. If I were to feed my son Lucas uh, 16 packets of sugar in <laughs> front of you. He would never sleep again. Uh, one, he would never sleep again. But two, <laughs> you would probably suggest that I was endangering my child. Yeah. But if I threw a big gulp in front of him and just let, it con- let him consume it for the time of this podcast, we wouldn't think twice. And part of what we're trying to do with our bill is to ask consumers to really think about their choices, to really rethink your drink. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good tagline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's nothing about our bill that doesn't prevent people from refilling their containers. So you can guzzle as many Cokes as you want over and over again, but we just want you to think before refilling your 16-ounce container, what's the impact of this going to be in my long-term health and my short-term health? Um, and, uh, and, and how do we slightly change behavior to mm-hmm. get people to nudge people toward uh, a better, healthier lifestyle? And you worked closely with Gavin Newsom when he was the mayor of San Francisco and you were a supervisor. What do you think Californians should expect from him as governor? Um, I'm excited. In his first seven weeks in office, uh, Governor Newsom has pushed bold, progressive ideas uh, in a variety of contexts. As a chair of the Housing Committee, I've also been really excited at how aggressive he is being with new ideas to address uh, the worst housing crisis and homelessness crisis in our state's history. Um, I, you know, we, we see eye to eye on many, many issues, and uh, he's coming out uh, and, and moving on a lot of fronts quickly. And mm-hmm. uh, I certainly, for one, appreciate that. Cool. And he has um, urged the attorney general to sue Huntington Beach for its failure to build enough housing, which is an area that you've worked on. Can you talk about that lawsuit and what you think of it? Sure. Uh, It was actually a bill uh, that I had helped to write along Mm -hmm. with my Los Angeles colleague, Assemblymember Miguel Santiago, uh, that simply says that cities need to obey housing laws when it comes to their planning process, when it comes to obeying the very rules that they have set. Um, And what we've seen during this housing crisis is that there are cities that are striving mightily to build, say, San Francisco or Oakland or San Jose, surrounded by dozens of other cities that are not lifting a finger or in some instances are literally trying to knowingly disobey the law. And Huntington Beach uh, is probably the most flagrant example of this, but there are at least at this moment 47 other cities in the state of California that are in violation of their own housing laws. Hmm. And so, Some in the Bay Area too? Um, the vast majority of them are in Southern California, uh-huh. but we all know in the Bay Area there are cities that are 
refusing to do their part. I mean, I'll take the example of Cupertino, mm -hmm. uh, whose mayor recently suggested that they should build a wall around their city. So Cupertino, that has large tech campuses bringing in thousands of new workers, um, has said we don't have a housing issue. In fact, the last State of the City address by the former mayor, uh, that mayor literally said, we don't have a housing challenge here, uh, even though uh, the decisions of their city are exacerbating the housing crisis for everyone. And so we need all cities to do their part uh, to to work together to address the housing crisis. And uh, I very much supported that lawsuit being brought against Huntington Beach. I do understand within Huntington Beach, there is a difference of opinion on what to be done. Uh, there are some folks that are vehemently NIMBY, uh, that don't want to build anything in their very uh, comfortable uh, beachside community. But given the housing crisis, given the homelessness crisis all up and down the state, every city's got to do their part. Mm -hmm. What do you tell those NIMBYs um, when they say that? And it's just uh, you wonder where are their own children going to live and where are their grandchildren going to live if they refuse to build more? Yeah, housing? you know, it's remarkable. I know some of the uh, the local officials literally have said, well, unfortunately, my kid can't live in our city and has to live far from us. And that's just life. That's how it is. And I just don't think that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, and all of us uh, who, who have families, we hope that our children will be able to live nearby. But that's just not the case right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I've actually been, it's been fascinating in the last couple of years, how many seniors with children are becoming new advocates for building more housing, because they're seeing this phenomenon of their children being forced to not just leave the areas where they grew up, but being forced to move across the country mm -hmm. because they can't afford to live in our very expensive state. Wow. Well, you've survived our serious questions, and now we move on to the lightning round, which um, some politicians find scarier. <laughs> just a warning. <laughs> the answer is three. <laughs> what is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Mm. La Taqueria. Okay. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Uh, favorite? <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to give this answer, but I have to admit I'm partial to The Rock. <laughs> I just the, the scenes of our city through The Rock are just amazing. Yeah. Have you been to Alcatraz recently? Uh, not recently. It's been a little have while. Have you taken your son? I have not yet. Uh, my wife gets a little seasick, so we mm -hmm. don't take a lot of boats. <laughs> My sons love that the toilets are still in the jail cells. Yeah. They found that very interesting. <laughs> I would love to toilet train my son <laughs> on one of those toilets, so maybe someday. Where's your favorite place in San Francisco to get a stiff drink? Uh, I grew up on the Polk Street uh, corridor, so any of the bars on Polk mm -hmm. Street, particularly on Lower Polk. Okay. Which is a more f frustrating place to work, the state capitol or San Francisco City Hall? <laughs> uh, they're both special in different ways. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't would say, say special. <laughs> uh, I would say I love being in San Francisco uh, and City Hall. Just being home and being in the diversity and the mix and the hubbub of progressive San Francisco is just amazing. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, being in the capital, the fifth largest economy in the world, and uh, debating issues with 119 colleagues uh, across that diversity is also an amazing experience. So mm -hmm. hard, hard for me to hard for me to say. Okay. Um, relatedly, who are 
more frustrating political opponents, the hardcore lefties of San Francisco or the Republicans in Sacramento? <laughs> uh, well, given that we currently have a uh, uh, over a supermajority in uh, in Sacramento, uh, I think to my Republican colleagues, they're just much less of a factor these days. So, <laughs> uh, so I think that the debates that we see at City Hall uh, in San Francisco are often intense, but uh, that's why we love San Francisco politics. Yeah. And you've said San Francisco politics are like a knife fight in a phone booth. What's a good metaphor for state politics? Uh, I often refer to uh, simultaneous multidimensional games of chess. So let me give us an example. Uh, Today is the deadline for all bill introductions for this year. Uh, We are introducing, I think, about 22 bills. Uh, Multiply that by 120 colleagues. We've got thousands of uh, political uh, battles that are being waged. And uh, the challenge that my team faces uh, for uh, for my staff and I is trying to think of how to navigate all the issues that we want to navigate while my colleagues are trying to do the same thing. It, it literally is multidimensional chess. You mm-hmm. move a piece on one board of involving one bill, it impacts your ability to get something done on a different uh, on a different arena. So um, that's that's my analogy. Okay, as a supervisor, you. Um pretty much biked everywhere, right? And you did not own a car. Now that you have to get to Sacramento, has that changed? Oh, it has sadly changed on a number of fronts. Uh, I bought my first new car my entire life uh, about two years ago. Um, I actually own uh, now two bikes, uh, one that I keep in the state building in San Francisco and one that I keep in the Capitol uh, to be able to bike short distances. But uh, uh, I unfortunately can't bike to work anymore (laughs) like I used to. And uh, it, uh, it, it, you know, being able to bike not only was like good for my my mental health and it gave me time to think, but it was uh, it was good for my physical health. And Mm -hmm. so now I have to figure out how to deal with uh, the typical weight gain of a politician uh, (laughs) by exercising uh, in a gym as opposed to being on a bike. Yeah. You don't look any different to me. If that makes a difference. (laughs) Um, Do you think that Interstate 80 is its own circle of hell? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Not just the congestion on it, but um, it's often hard when you're traveling. And I go back and forth a lot because uh, to to spend time with my two-year-old and my wife. Um, but uh, you lose uh, even cell phone connection while mm-hmm. you're driving on that road. And, and between the congestion and particularly in the last couple of weeks, all the, the rain uh, and the weather conditions we've had, it's been uh, – uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the regular <laughs> commute on the I-80. Right. And I would love to have uh, uh, public transit connectivity between Sacramento and uh, where my wife and I live in the Bayview, but I have a feeling that's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, My mom, friends, and I are still grateful that you push legislation allowing baby strollers on Muni. If you could fix one other thing about Muni, what would it be? Uh, On-time performance, period. Um, (laughs) You know, Muni's still late, I think, almost 40% of the time. And for people to not be able to rely on it to get to work, to see their friends, to go home, um, it's just not what a 21st century modern city should, should have to deal with. Yeah. And you've been rumored in the past as a contender for San Francisco district attorney. I'm sure you know the seat is open in November. I've heard. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, I've already endorsed uh, someone who I think is a great candidate, Susie Loftus. Uh, so I worked in the DA's office some 20 years ago, and uh, Susie also worked in the office under then district attorney Kamala Harris, and I think she would be a great district attorney. We have a number of really great candidates running, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how that race shapes up. And would you ever run for mayor again? 
who knows? You can't predict the future. I'm uh, I'm really truly honored to now start serving in my third term in the state assembly, um, assuming term limits and uh, the will of the voters. Uh, hope to have the chance to keep doing potentially for another uh, eight years, and we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the last book that you read? Uh, I read. Um, can't believe I'm spacing on the title of this book, Asymmetry. Uh, it's uh, a book. Of, it, it was. It, it's a book about comparing the experience of uh, a refugee uh, who has been detained in an international airport uh, with the experience of a young uh, writing editor. Oh wow! Uh, and it sort of juxtaposes their uh, circumstances in ways that you would not think. Um, uh, brings similarities, but uh, it's a beautifully written book. It was a, a New York Times bestseller last year. You recommend it? I do, absolutely. Cool. What was your first concert? My first concert? Um, my first concert was a police concert. <laughs> nice. Uh, my first album was a synchronicity album by the police, and... Uh, uh, I have I've probably have gone to two dozen police and sting concerts over the years. I'm What's your favorite song? Partial. Oh, it's hard to, uh, <laughs> to 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 pick. It depends on the mood. Yeah. Um, Synchronicity too. If you're thinking about the challenges of living in urban environments mm-hmm. and dealing with traffic congestion, is the first song that popped to mind. I think I wrote a uh, a little report about it when I was in ninth grade. <laughs> um, but there are so many great police and sting songs, which of yeah. course dates me. But there you go. <laughs> and last question: What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Um. Uh, I always promise Lucas that I will play with him, uh-huh. and so I try to get at least a couple minutes of uh, of playing with his little trucks or his Play-Doh or uh, all the boxes that he likes to climb into. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was fun to talk to you. Thanks, Heather. Appreciate it. Thank you to David Chu for coming on this podcast, to Libby Coleman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief, and Dominic Fercasa is this podcast's producer. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Have questions or tips? Email hnight at sfchronicle.com or find me on Twitter at hnightsf. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.